0: Welcome to Winning the Game of Life. Known as Jungle Man at the Poker Table, Dan Cates has gone from being the bag boy at McDonald's with no friends and a dead-end future to winning over $11 million in online poker, over $7 million in live tournaments, and is a World Series of Poker champion. He has found fame, fortune, been to incredible places all over the globe and connected with some amazing people. It looks like Dan has won the Game of Life that is not the way he sees it. Dan sees winning as doing his part to help everyone in the world win. He knows he can't do it alone, though. He knows it's going to take a collective effort with anyone that wants to see the same thing. Join us each week as Dan starts the conversation to do just that. On the show, Dan will interview incredible individuals that have made the impossible possible. Those that have won the game of life and those that want to help others win as well. Hit subscribe and follow Dan's journey on Instagram at the TheDanCates. Let's explore anyone and anything that can help make this world a better place, increasing the odds of us all winning the game of life. And now, here's your host, Dan Cates. What's up,
1: guys? It's Dan, Jungleman Cates, here with one of the most successful women in poker ever and a little bit of a TV star. As it happens, a little bit of a uh, little bit of a star in the making, actually. Maria Ho, what's up, guys?
2: Hi, She's thanks for on... having me.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. And thanks for being on the show. Uh, like, also to throw out there that you've been on The Amazing Race. And uh, what else? You've been on, uh, oh, you've been on American Idol, too. And are, I've read that you're routinely, like, Frequently performing in music gigs and singing for them as well.
2: Yeah, you know, I think music is my passion, but. I don't know. I think when I was growing up, I just felt like music and pursuing that for a living would be impossible to to make it in. But I think sometimes people would say the same thing about poker. Um, but I love music. It just wasn't something that I felt like made sense to pursue as a career. But you know, I grew up in plays and musicals, and then in my co- college years, I sang in my college a cappella group, and then after that, I tried to do some live gigs in the L.A. area, but you know, it's not something I've ever taken seriously. It's just something I really enjoy.
1: Yeah, I would think it's super, super hard to become successful in music. Yeah. I think it's yeah. hard to become successful in poker. But I think it's it's way, way harder. And it's if you like if you fail, quote unquote, fail in poker, you're still like doing okay. Um, right. If you fail in music, you're not making any money at all. You're living <laughs> in your van or something. That's what I think anyway. I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, I think music is one of those things that you have to do it because you love it first and foremost, because if you're doing it because you think you're going to make money or be the next big thing, I think that's definitely going to be a a rude awakening for for most people, unfortunately.
1: For sure. Um, I've read that you were born in Taipei, which is very unique. Uh, Not many people can say that. I've been curious to visit Taipei. Uh, and you, uh, got, it seemed like you got into poker relatively early. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I've been in poker for a long time, which makes me also quite old. Um, So I started playing poker actually right before the moneymaker boom, right? I think a lot of people that we know that are around our age, they probably came up a little bit after moneymaker. But I started my first year of college, which was in 2001. Um, And I played recreationally in college and I never really considered pursuing it seriously. But because the moneymaker boom kind of happened a few years after I had already discovered the game, it started making it more viable option. This thought of like, huh, maybe I could just play poker for a living and somehow (laughs) survive. Um, so after I graduated college, I started doing it professionally, quote unquote. And, um, and really just have not ever done anything since. And so it's been, what, like 17 years now since then?
1: All right. Uh, I had a really good question for you, and I just totally forgot it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) what did your parents think of that? Because I know you were raised in a traditional uh, Chinese family. I would think that this was a little unusual for them.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, my parents were... Obviously expecting, I think, their child to be something a little bit more conventional and something that is traditionally viewed as as successful which is a doctor or a lawyer um, I come from an immigrant immigrant family as you had mentioned I was born in Taiwan so you know for my family to come to America and to l- leave the life that they knew to really make a better life for their children I know that they probably expected or wanted more of me because they feel like they tried to give me the best opportunity to pursue success in a really traditional way so they were really upset at the fact that I wanted to play poker for a living. I think they, they were worried about me being in that kind of environment, which I understand, you know, um, especially being a female and playing late nights and being in a casino um, and them not really knowing the types of people that I was around. I think it, it definitely worried them, but mostly I think they were probably just a little bit... Um, I don't know if ashamed is the right word, but like a little embarrassed, I think, to tell their friends like, oh, well, so what does your daughter do again, you know? And and for them to be like, oh, well, uh, she plays poker. We don't really know what that means. Um, And then on top of that, to have my sister, she's older than me, and she is basically the perfect mold of of what any parent would want their child to be. You know, she has a PhD in clinical neuropsychology. She graduated from Berkeley with a double major. She was a perfectionist through and through. And so being compared to that all of the time made it even harder for my parents to accept what I was doing. Um, I was definitely the black sheep, but I think that I've always been a little bit of a rebel in that sense. So um, the more they wanted me to fit into a mold, I think the harder I tried to think outside of the box. Oh,
1: that's a, uh, that's a, a bit of a hilarious way to end up like, you could say rebelling from what their, uh, how do you say, control over what they wanted you to be.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like in the future when I become a parent, I would hate to have a child like me because I really gave my parents a lot of problems. But I, I did really want to go against the grain and I didn't want to do what made them happy. I wanted to do what made me happy. So.
1: Well, Absolutely. Uh, hundred percent with that. Uh, it's hard to imagine many good futures where you're doing something and you're not happy um, and living your life according to someone else's standards of happiness, which I think to be honest, is a bit indoctrinated lately in American culture, maybe all cultures, both well, American cultures, especially with you have to go to school and get a degree, but as it, it's becoming increasingly not very feasible for most people and more alternative routes such as playing poker uh i would have to say look really attractive to you know people who can actually do it or becoming some kind of entrepreneur whatever it entails or doing something with amazon or uh, any of these kinds of hustles yeah Um, what do you think
2: yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that now, to people that are, you know, millennials or generations after that, they're realizing that I think the traditional route and the idea of having to go to a four year college and all of those things and getting a degree, I don't think that that necessarily equates to how much success you'll have. And I think people are really starting to discover and embrace that they can do their own thing and take their own path and find just as much success, if not more. And now there's just a lot more role models that are proof that you don't have to take that traditional route to become successful. And so I think it's more encouraged now for people to be willing to break out of those paths.
1: Um, this just reminds me, I actually in my college dropout and I had it in my head that I was absolutely going to, to graduate college for the longest mm. time. But the, what really, ironically, what really made me drop out was I had to fail twice. I failed this one class twice called game theory Um, (laughs) of all the classes. I had to take some bizarre serendipity, but but, uh, definitely happy about it in retrospect. I don't know if I'll actually complete it anyway. um, So what was it about poker that, what did you, what got you into poker in the first place?
2: Well, I just had some guy friends in college that played and there were no other females that played in this game. And so I thought that was a little bit. Curious To me, you know, in college, we're hanging out, we're having fun. But then just one night of the week, for whatever reason, I didn't get the invite. Um, And so anytime I feel like I shouldn't be doing something or someone's telling me that I'm not welcome to do something, I'm obviously more interested um, in in breaking down that door. You know, so I just showed up and I'm like, no, I'm here. I want to know what you guys are doing. I want to learn. You might not think I'm Interested, but I am. Um, and I always grew up loving games and loving strategy games. My first card game that I ever played was Bridge, which my grandfather taught me. And so I always had that type of interest to begin with. So it wasn't so weird for them to be like, oh, we're playing this card game. Um, you probably don't care. And I'm like, no, actually, I do. I want to learn. Um, and so it's just, it just became something where I played it once. And I fell in love with the game and I kept wanting to learn more about it. And my friends luckily played all of the time. So I really got to play and start understanding the strategy behind the game more. And I've always just been a really competitive person. Um, you know, I'm the kind of person that if we have a game night, I'm going to be a stickler for the rules. Like, I'm not going to be a fun person to play board games with because (laughs) I I take it very, very seriously. Um, But I think being that competitive really made poker a good fit for me because I think naturally, you know, you have to be a little bit cutthroat and you have to be willing to, you know, play hard all of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is – competitiveness is really – an important trait to attract people that, that's to succeed at poker. For sure. You have to be competitive in some kind of way. hundred uh, yeah. percent there. I, um, yeah, that's, that's a large part of what attracted me as well. And yeah, I think everyone kind of has that in them to some degree that ends up like with some kind of success and maybe in anything really um, it seems like it showed in some other areas of your life too. First, I want to say I don't think I stated uh, that you want that you've won around four million dollars in uh, I guess in tournament winnings, right? I presume uh, more in cash game winnings as well. So, congrats! Uh, I think that's I don't know if that's the most a woman's ever won in uh, tournament caches, or it's it's got to be up there at least.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely top five. I think it's hard to beat Vanessa Selbst uh, in that in that category. Um, but yeah, she's number one for sure.
1: Well, I've read that uh, you're also a first place. Well, your team won first place at uh, World Mahjong Tour. I understand that game is actually quite difficult. <laughs> I, I don't know how it works. I didn't know there's a team behind it. But it, yeah, I understood it's like there's quite some money in it and all that.
2: Yeah, Mahjong is like a very traditional uh, Chinese game that, you know, most people learn growing up watching their parents play. Um, And it is quite competitive and people are playing for a lot of money and they'll play it for high stakes. Um, But there's definitely more luck involved in Mahjong than there is in poker Um, to some degree. There's obviously a skill element as well, but it's a little bit more gambling um, in some respects. But it's definitely a game that, you know, a lot of people play in Asia and they play it on you know competitive levels on recreational levels um, so it's just one of those pastimes that i got into culturally do
1: you play like private high stakes mahjong games like I- <laughs> I to song, uh businessmen from china or, or i don't know i've never really heard of this but maybe this is a thing
2: you know what I haven't, but I feel like if poker doesn't work out, I should try to explore that avenue because I'm sure, you know, I could be what Gus Hansen does in backgammon with like all of the Mahjong players. I just, I haven't really found that, that world yet, but uh, it's something that I would look into for sure.
1: All right. Maybe future high stakes Mahjong games. I guess you never know. Like it could be some Mahjong boom for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. um uh i'm uh, curious there aren't so many women that play poker it's like highly male dominated is this something you care about or are you know want to change in poker or anything along these lines do you have any thoughts about about this sort of thing
2: yeah i think that i think that one reason that i always stayed interested in poker was primarily because there were so few women that played. And it always made me think, I don't understand why that is, you know, because I see poker as a game that's very gender neutral. I don't think that there's an inherent advantage or disadvantage that any person should have because of their gender to become great at the game. There's like no reason why there should be this disparity of like, Why a male player versus a female player, why they couldn't be equally as good if they had all the same resources, if they had all the time and put enough energy and effort into becoming really good. Um, I think that society doesn't raise women in a way where women are willing to take big risks. So I think that plays into a little bit of why poker might not be as interesting for some women, because I think society has always taught women to be more of the conservative um, person when it's in in terms of finances or, you know, in a relationship. We're kind of there to like hold down the family and then the guy gets to go out and kind of live their dream and pursue and take big risks. And and we're just supposed to be the person to to keep everything everything kind of going and grounded. Um, And so because of that, I think that women just aren't... Shown that these type of skill sets are actually really beneficial in a lot of different areas of life, and obviously in poker, it's one of them. I think I've naturally always had a very aggressive um, attitude, and I've always kind of been really fearless in things that I do, and so that translated to poker. But I completely understand why most women wouldn't naturally feel that way or naturally gravitate towards that type of behavior because society doesn't encourage it, um, and so I think that poker still has a long way to go in the sense of you know how we are able to get more women interested in the game because I believe that women can be just as good as men at the game and right now it's just a numbers game where we just don't have enough women so it's not it it obviously sends people like well if women can be as good as guys in the game why is it that at a final table we just always see you know Eight or nine guys, and there's hardly ever even one woman there. And I'm like, well, when there's only three to five percent of women playing, then naturally the odds of us getting to the final table is is not going to be very high, simply because there's not enough of us playing. But if we put fifty male players and fifty female players, I feel like the the number of you know male versus uh, men versus women that end up at the final table will be actually fairly equal and balanced.
1: That's a fair point. Yeah, that's a a really good, a couple good points. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, when there's just all these dudes playing poker, um, (laughs) what are you going to see is dudes mostly at the final table all the time. Uh, And yeah, I can see what you're saying about it's more like culturally implied that guys go out and get rough and like cause trouble, get into fights and stuff. And poker is like kind of, has that element to it of sorts. So kind of the unconventional element. Um, and women are like, I can see how it's, it's definitely culturally, mm, how do you say, a bit of a stigma, is it a stigma? It's just more expected of women to keep it cool and not. And it's, it's definitely indoctrinated that women are not supposed to like, to avoid all things awkward, like things like fights and stuff like that. I think too much in fact uh i yeah, I kind of wish it wasn't that way, actually, but you know whatever i I prefer things to be real and you know a little bit of conflict is okay, a little bit <laughs> I like a little bit of trouble, okay, I don't like too much peace is a little boring, and in fact, yeah, the funny thing is this reminds me ironically, um there was this i forget the- what it was called, but one uh, this one experiment with uh All these nations uniting, and then basically, and them and there being peace, but it ended up being making them amorphous, and they actually became irritated, irritated at that, uh, which I thought was really hilarious because it's like I guess they didn't really want peace then after all, or peace in that sense.
2: Right. Um,
1: I'm all for uh, there being more women in poker. I have a thought also. Is that I think the guys in poker, partly by being guys, and partly by being people that tend to be more unconventional, aren't exactly creating an environment that is um, conducive to women joining. Right? You want something to look nice. Uh, you you, know, you want you want to be presentable, obviously, and you want to not be a dick at the table, and you know these kinds of things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this can definitely put off a lot of women, and definitely adds to the whole. Makes it more. It 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 uh, creates a bit of a barrier for many that want to play in the first place. Mm-hmm. The, the environment's just not good. It doesn't like it's important with a woman to create an environment that is. You have to pay attention to the details that the environment feels good. If that makes sense, that that that's, totally. that's a lot of them, uh, and. I think guys should really reconsider that for all sorts of reasons. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that poker players are necessarily, you know, the the finest. How do I say? I feel like they get up their game a little bit. Let's put it that way.
2: <laughs> yeah, and for dress, sure.
1: Dress a little better. And, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I'm guilty as well. And I'm starting to realize, you know what? This is, might actually be a good idea. And, you know what? Maybe 95% guys, 97% guys or whatever is, is a little bit... Uh, Yeah, I'd I'd welcome some more girls to the game for sure.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the environment for poker, um, there were so many times when I would have a bad experience, um, especially early on in the game, you know, with the way that somebody treated me or something that they said that was really rude or crude. And I could have just like walked out and never come back, but I have very, very thick skin. But I understand that not every woman would want to put themselves in that situation, you know? So it's it's really easy for me to understand why some women will tell me that they'll go to a casino and it'll be their first or second time ever playing live. And they'll have a really bad experience, and they just won't go again because not only did they not have a good time, but they also lost money, right? Like when we think about why people play poker, it's for like a good social experience first and foremost. Because most people are not doing it because they want to be a professional poker player; they're doing it because they enjoy the game and it's something that they like to do. But if you show up and you have a bad experience and you lose money, what is the incentive for you to ever come back? You know, and so. Um, I completely understand why some women will just be like, no, this is not a situation I want to put myself in again. And so I'm just not going to do it. And for people who say stuff like, oh, well, they just need to be tougher that I think they're completely misunderstanding the issue. They don't need to be tougher to come and play poker when they're not doing it for a living, when they're doing it for fun. If it's not fun, then they shouldn't do it. Um, so and. And so like, I have a real problem when people say like, oh, well, women just need to like accept that this is the environment that, that they're in because like, I think that that's the type of attitude that you have. If you are not empathetic at all to what other people's experience is like, you know, it just, if you, if you went and did something recreationally, like if you went and I don't know what, like played pickleball and you're just doing it for fun, but you have a really bad experience, why would you go back if you're not trying to make money if like your whole goal was actually oh this sounded like a good time and that's why i did it well if you're not having a good time then you won't go um so i mean i think it's it's pretty simple when it comes to that especially for the recreational players um and even though there's some women that, of course, you know, ended up pursuing it professionally and stuck it out, that doesn't mean that the experience was better or any easier for us. We just we just made the decision to stay with it for our own personal reasons. But that doesn't have to be everybody's choice, you know, um,
1: definitely. And I was unaware that people were behaving rudely. Uh, in these kinds of contexts in poker games. And definitely that kind of behavior has to stop. I mean, it's the same logic with, you know, someone who's a VIP, you still want to, you know, be nice to them and treat them well, and they're coming for the fun of it. And in my mind, it really goes back to this old adage of treat people as you'd like to be treated. Um, And of this idea of uh it 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 occurred to me as like a theme that occurred in many different things but this idea that mm, if you take away too much more than you give back and if you like take more by taking an an egoic kind of sense of you you want to feel like you're better than someone because they've like uh for whatever reason because you just want to feel like you're better than them because you didn't have enough love as a child or you uh or you've lost a pot or whatever, it's going to like eventually rebound and hurt you um, yeah. and hurt the like game overall. Um, so totally that kind of behavior has to stop, especially if it's pushing away people uh, who want to play recreationally at all. And it just shouldn't exist in the first place, especially towards women. Um, yeah, I was unaware that it actually there's a lot of rude behavior, but it doesn't surprise me because... Uh, you know plenty of guys have insecurity issues, plenty of people have insecurity issues um, yeah people being people being bad what is what else is new
2: <laughs>
1: but yeah yeah I'd appreciate a, a change in the poker world on the whole. I think there, that there should be it should be more fun. I think it should be more fun on the whole um, and yeah, uh, that also kind of leads into Mm, the idea of showmanship in general, in the sense that as a showman, you have to, uh, oh, and by, yeah, as a showman, you have to like put on a show, right? Uh, and I found something interesting about you is that you were able to translate your success from poker to other things, and that you've been a host on many different shows uh, and, and have been appearing in the media a lot. Uh, these things seem a little unrelated. Can you tell me a little bit about this? What shows have you appeared on?
2: Yeah, so um, I've done a lot of different, you know, whether it's commentary or sideline reporting or hosting on the broadcast side. And I definitely got into this a little bit later on in my poker career. I never really thought of necessarily making that transition, but I also have the type of personality where it's like, if I have the opportunity to try something, I'll definitely try it. And if I fail and if I fall flat on my face, I'm not one to get easily embarrassed. So I'm like, you know what? I've never done this before, but I would love to try. And it's something now that I've been, you know, doing broadcast, whether it's on the poker side or esports, even uh, for now, the last seven or eight years. Um, so some of the shows that I've done is a World Series of Poker main event, Um Also, a lot of the Poker Go shows, um, being an ambassador with Poker Go uh, to start and then moving into the broadcast side of things, they obviously have... (sighs) All of the best poker shows available right now. Um, you know whether it is uh, U.S. Poker Open, Poker Masters, Super High Roller Bowl, all of those uh, different shows that I've been able to be a part of the broadcast side of. Um, I was a host for Amazon's esports uh, competitions. They were, you know really big kind of mold mobile game competitions um throughout the years uh those shows were mobile masters champions of fire um and then yeah i kind of done a couple of other things and I'm venturing out a little bit more and you know I wouldn't say that I always kind of felt comfortable in front of the camera or comfortable speaking um, publicly but it's something that I really enjoy doing because I love the idea of kind of sharing poker insight with people from the commentary side I, I love this idea that you know we're able to share what we know and all of the knowledge that we've learned throughout the years playing um, with a massage audience and Even from the sideline reporting side or the hosting side, it's really cool to, like what you're doing right now with this podcast, You know, ask people questions, get inside their head, get to know people a little bit better. And so I've really enjoyed those opportunities and I really hope that that's something that I can keep doing even when I stop playing poker because it's just something that I think that I would enjoy and something where I feel like I could put all of that knowledge to really good use still.
1: All right. Uh, it is. I will say. I personally find it a bit exciting. Um, and I wonder: has it opened lots of doors for you? Um, has it? One thing is, I, I don't. I don't know how much money is actually in it, to be honest. Um, but it's. Yeah, has it opened lots of doors for you? Otherwise.
2: Yeah, I think I. I think that it kind of started with being on The Amazing Race. Maybe I think just being on something that's more mainstream, kind of got my name out there and it opened up a lot of doors. And for sure being on the broadcast side of things and showcasing some other talents outside of just playing poker has also brought some new opportunities and as I said, you know, for me I'll try anything once. So of course, you know, I've gotten some um inquiries and opportunities about things that I've literally never done before and I'm just not one to say no to those things because I'll try anything once. And so in that regard, it's it's definitely been really fun and exciting to put myself in these new challenging um and, and, and really, really interesting kind of worlds, right? Worlds that are way different than poker. And it's kind of nice to step into something where I, I feel like I have so much to learn because poker is something that I spent so much of my time and energy in that there's this whole other world out there of like, okay, now I'm no longer the expert. Teach me everything. I want to absorb it all. And I love that feeling of getting to learn something and then trying to be good at it, basically.
1: It is exciting to uh, kind of embrace these new worlds. It kind of grew on me myself. So, if someone was to say, "Hey, Maria, would you like to come on Fear Factory or American uh, Ninja?" Is that American Warrior? Ninja? yeah. 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 Um, would you like entertain those kinds of possibilities, or are there ones along those lines that you might even like uh, appear on in the future?
2: Yeah, I would definitely do a reality competition show. Um, I I think that it's nice to be able to test yourself. You know, I'm not the most (laughs) physical um, athletic specimen there is, but... Again, I love to try to see how I would stack up against other people. You know, that competitive fire in me will be like, okay, maybe I wouldn't be the best at this, but I would like to challenge myself and see if I could get through it. You know, even just doing something like that would be an accomplishment, even if I wasn't the best, because I know that inherently I'm not very good at it to begin with, so.
1: All right. Well, if you go on uh American Ninja Warrior or it was <laughs> for me, I don't know if I would I probably would do it, but I would probably um especially Fear Factory, I would uh, I don't know, do some research first or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I uh yeah, the the hosting stuff I um it as I was talking to you, I was actually realizing like it uh it's one of those things that it feels like it, it feels like it, it's, it's, it's um, rewards are a little bit intangible in the sense of, I mean, it think, I think it requires quite some courage to keep doing it. Um, and I think it, well, like I said, I think I, I had the idea that it opens doors, which appears that it has. I wasn't even hundred percent sure when I asked that question and um, I guess it helps with your branding and that kind of thing as well. That makes sense. Right.
2: Yeah. I think for me, life and what I want to get out of my career is that I just don't want to be a one trick pony. I really like the idea of being like a multi hyphenate. Like I want to do a lot of different things. You know, it's a part of it is the fact that we only have one life to live and I want to make the most of it. But the other part of it is that I think that I don't want to live in these self-limiting beliefs that, OK, well, I I only want to do what I know I'm good at. I want to try to see if I could get good at other things that I might not think I would be good at. Um, and so. I feel like it's, it's honestly the challenge that's the most rewarding and that's what keeps me going because like you said, it could be a little bit hard to put yourself out there. Um, especially now with social media, people are very critical. Sometimes when you're talking, you know, you're just talking into space and you never know what people are thinking, how people are perceiving you, how you're being judged for what you're saying or your personality even. Um, and you really have. Yeah. And you just have to kind of ca- not care what people think. Right. And that's very hard because naturally as human beings, we all care about what people think to a certain extent. But it's kind of deciding that you will just be yourself and you're going to be your most you'll try to be your most authentic self and you hope that people will like that. Um, And so I've definitely shifted from a place where I think I was trying to be what I thought other people wanted to be um, to now being older and a little more experienced and just being myself and hoping that people like whatever it is I'm putting out there, you know?
1: Has your uh, perfect sister uh, broken down (laughs) into limits by any chance? Any limiting beliefs or anything like that?
2: yeah it's funny because so my sister um she's a professional like therapist she's also you know a professor at Pepperdine like she has she wears a lot of hats um it's nice to have my sister to go to when I have problems um so I I think that
1: (laughs) well it's good it's good actually uh it's
2: like free therapy um but yeah I've talked to my sister and even though she can't can't really fully understand what it is that I do. Um, She understands what it took to take a lot of different risks, especially with my parents being as strict as they were. And so she's really helped me embrace and accept the fact that I am that type of person that has taken a lot of chances and done a lot of things differently. And she's made me feel like it's okay. So in some ways, my sister's like my second mom in that regard, because she's really given me that kind of acceptance that I've always wanted from my parents about the way that I've lived my life.
1: Um, I was, I was asking that question because I hope the answer was no to give you (laughs) that you could hold up against
2: Oh, like, uh, well, I'm say, sorry. I know. You're. you're <laughs> you te- I know. Like you teed me up, but I'm. I'm sorry. I wasn't able to to like knock that one out of the park. <laughs> Instead, uh, you you basically said no. She's just that great, and we she's that perfect. <laughs> and she's that amazing. All
1: right. <laughs> um. Well. Anyway. That doesn't stop us from breaking down some limiting beliefs of whoever's watching this, um, and hopefully inspiring some people to go out there and take the first steps to whatever they want to do, because I believe in dreams and fulfilling dreams and not being boring and all these things. Boring sucks. And, yeah. uh, I definitely think the first step of, uh, breaking down what you think you can do and what you can't do is to try it. Um exactly. And, uh, yeah, I feel like you've embodied that pretty well, for sure. Again, uh, a much more variegated list of accomplishments than most poker players who have, like, you know, captions of tournaments and uh, <laughs> who, who, what tournament they win again. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's kind of, I mean, I personally don't care too much about tournament titles. Um, well, so that's cool. Uh, yeah. Do you have any? Words for anyone, or would you like to inspire people, particularly to uh, to live up to their dreams, or live up to do things that they thought they couldn't do, or you know, break down their limits, or, th- or realize that oh, actually, maybe they can do things. Is that something that interests you to pursue?
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, I've uh, during the pandemic, especially I've kind of spoken at a lot of college poker clubs. Um, And it's really interesting because I remember when I was in college, I had no clue what I wanted out of life and I had no clue what I really wanted to be. Um, And my sense of self was probably really muddled at that point. You know, I didn't really have a clear sense of self or a clear path of what I wanted to do with my life. And so speaking to these college kids, you know, they have their whole future ahead of them and they're so intelligent. You know, I was speaking to people at Harvard Poker Club, at Cornell Poker Club. Like we're talking, you know, the smartest, brightest minds. They're like at Ivy Leagues. They're 18, 19 years old, Um, and I just wanted to encourage them to be willing to think outside of the box and to not feel like they had to live up to this expectation that everybody has of them, especially when you go to an Ivy League college, you know, I'm sure that At that level, everybody just assumes that you're going to be doing, you know, X, Y, and Z with your life. And I didn't want them to feel like they couldn't go outside of that and break that mold. Um, So generally, I would love more opportunities like that to speak to the youth and to speak to the future generations. Um, Because I think it's really important that they have a lot of different types of people to look up to, you know, I think i It's important that their role models are not necessarily just what is socially accepted or what is in the mainstream all of the time. You know, whether it is what they do for a living or standards of beauty or, you know, just being their unique selves. Like I want people to have a much more diverse and wide range of people that they can look up to in their life. And so um, just that idea of it is, is really motivational for me to Continue to yeah find ways to reach out to those people that I think are kind of struggling and are at a really pivotal point in their life where they're trying to decide what they want to do or who they're trying to become.
1: Oh, I didn't know that you were actually speaking publicly at these colleges. Uh, congrats! I uh, uh, I know speaking in front of a crowd uh, from I've done one speech in front of a crowd is a. Is a pretty uh, scary experience. I've done it in front of people that I thought did not know um, any English or much <laughs> English. And
2: Really? Oh, my gosh.
1: So uh, I had it easy. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't know you were already doing it. Um, congrats on that for sure. And, um, yeah, definitely people need – I do think people need more uh, people that are out there breaking the mold and and showing that success doesn't necessarily look like whatever the parents told them they had to be or Mm -hmm. whatever um the government or the mainstream media whatever says uh you have to do to be successful and yeah i definitely think i definitely think um they that these people especially in their adolescent ages uh, need some kind of guidance as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to really know like what to do when you're like 18, 19. nineteen. <laughs> I'm yeah. personally lucky. Uh, I didn't even know actually. Um, I yeah, I didn't realize you were doing that. Are you doing that just uh, purely altruistically, or are you paid to do
2: yeah. it? Oh, it's all, it's all, you know, at this point, it's all pro bono. Like I, especially again, when I'm speaking to younger, um, you know, whether it's it's people in college or people that are kind of just trying to find their way right outside of college. For me, I want to be doing that. You know, if if, if I were speaking to like a big corporation or something like that, that would obviously be different. But I think that it's really important to say yes to these things. Um, you know, when some the president of Harvard Poker Club reaches out, I'm going to say yes and I'm going to do it for free. And I'm happy to be there because I know that This is a chance and opportunity for me to say something that could potentially be really meaningful to them. So,
1: and also, uh, at least, first, if uh, personally, if I was doing it, if I got that offer as well, I would be thinking it's a bit prestigious to be able to speak to Harvard undergrads. Like, imagine one gets really successful. And then they said, I know that girl. She's the <laughs> one who, uh, who inspired me. And, and it's like...
2: Oh, yeah, for sure they're all going to be like little future Bill Gates and Warren Buffett's and Mark Cuban's, you know?
1: It does seem like the spot where they... Where it's most likely anyway. <laughs> super hard to predict. I also read you um, gave to charity. Or actually, content you often participated in your community charity. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. I mean, I know that recently you've, you know, gotten really big into, you know, the philanthropic side of things. And for me, I think. It all really started in high school when, in order to graduate my senior year, we had to do I think a hundred hours of community service. Um, so the place that I did my hours at was um, at the largest school in the nation um, for children with learning disabilities, um, and so. That was where I ended up spending and volunteering my time. And I just enjoyed the act of volunteering. I think that it's, of course, money is important. And of course, like, it's great to be able to give money to causes that are important. But at the end of the day, our time is priceless, you know, and our time is something that we only have a finite, limited amount of. And It's been so rewarding to be able to give my free time to these really important causes. And so, you know, there's different organizations within the local L.A. area that I've worked at, um, you know, whether it's at homeless shelters or for women who are victims of domestic violence. or you know with kids where both of their parents are incarcerated and tutoring them after school programs mm-hmm. um, all of those things are things that I've done throughout the years and are all really really important to me and again you know um, I think it's important to donate your money, but also your time when you have it, just because having that hands on experience with all of these people and just seeing how much of an impact the smallest thing that you do has on them is so rewarding. And in some ways it's selfish, you know, honestly, I think a lot of ways like philanthropy um, it's it's not just for them. It's for me, you know, it, it's really, really a good feeling to know that you were able to make a really small difference in someone's life. And I don't think you get that same rewarding feeling until you're really hands-on.
1: Oh, well, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think actually it should be that way. It shouldn't be, I mean, if you give, I, I don't think it should be, um, I don't think it should i think it should ultimately uh i think it, there should ultimately be some kind of incentive in, in some kind of way it just has to be it's almost good that it's hidden uh as an example it should it, it shouldn't be just helping other people it should be everyone helping each other that makes sense that yeah. i personally think um but i happen to like uh I personally do some charity. I still do charity, but I uh, am realizing that solving these problems requires a little bit more of a creative. It, it requires more of an effort um, or it's a bit more complicated than just charity. But I, mm-hmm. uh, I admire people that do charity because I think that giving or going and putting, as you said, your time into helping these people is what really shows sincerity that you care about other people or care about things it's like a real demonstration of uh some kind of virtue if that makes sense it's um yeah it's just because you know it feels like especially it feels like in especially in the gambling world i think a gambling world's a good example but in many more visible uh sectors of the world that we live in now it's rare to see uh, like how do you say I think people, people virtue signal a lot uh, and I think yep. that people uh, are rarely sincere in their efforts. And I personally believe that that has to change in some kind of way so it's something that I like to see uh, and maybe maybe you can inspire people to do that too could you give I guess your reason why. Um, I think you gave me your reason why, um, but let, let me think about that for a second. Well, you could go ahead and reiterate it yourself. What what is your why behind this? Is it just the selfish incentive, the feeling that you get of the what what you ch- see the change that you see the change that it has on people, or is?
0: Um,
2: I mean. That's definitely a a small part of it. But I think generally on a big picture level, it's just that I feel like there's there's so many different issues and problems in the world that we see and that, you know, people want to help and people want to tackle, but they don't know where to start, you know. And I was one of those people that used to feel really, really helpless of like, oh, my gosh, there's all of these great causes. There's all of these problems in the world like how do I, you know, just one person, how am I able to make a difference, you know? And I didn't want to just be sitting on my couch, watching the news or reading, you know, reading something in the paper and think to myself like, oh, this is terrible. I wanted to be one of those people that were more action oriented and actually went out there and did something about it. But there's that part of you that feels like, you know, what difference could I make, you know? And so I think it was when I just started going out there and doing it, like you said, about, you know, the the best way to really figure out if you can do something is just to try it. And so I just did it. And I didn't allow myself to think like, oh, well, I can't make a big difference. I'm just one person. You know, I didn't allow that to kind of stop me from getting in there and seeing what I could do to actually make a difference. And I think on a macro level, that's what really keeps me going is that I get to see that I do make a difference, you know, and even though it's not going to solve the world's problems overnight and even if what I'm doing isn't necessarily going to make a dent in all of the problems that people are facing, the fact that I have interacted with that one person and I can tell that this has had some type of impact on them that shows me that that is enough, you know, that is a big enough of a difference. And so um, I just, you know, I just think back to all of those people that I've interacted with and all the people that I've met through all of these different organizations. And that's what is my why. You know, that's really the reason behind why I continue to put my time and my energy and my effort into these things.
1: That's a great answer. And actually, as you were talking, I was thinking about what you were saying about our talk of, uh, our discussion about, uh, limits and, uh, you know, trying to just putting yourself out there and trying things. And, uh, I think, I personally think that feeling of seeing the, the difference that you're able to make is something that, uh, how do you say it's something that, yeah, that, 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 trigger something that goes a little bit deeper inside, but it also is what could lead to people being inspired to do, make an even bigger effort as well. And I think that by, you know, taking the action that you're talking about, I think that that's the first road to, um, I think that 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 is really the start to being able to make a bigger difference. And I think that's also the start of other people uh, saying, you know what, maybe, maybe we can make a difference or maybe mm-hmm. I should do it too. Like everything's infectious. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, as someone who's actually making a difference, I think that it just goes a long way. And actually, um, I think it's one of the examples of things that inspires, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Everything has kind of a ripple effect in some way, you know? So
1: yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think, uh, I think, I think it's, it's also one of these things we're breaking down limits. Okay. This podcast, is a little bit about breaking down, maybe even a lot about breaking down limits. And yeah. I personally do not believe that, uh, we can, we, we can only do a little bit. I am, uh, trying to challenge that notion and Yeah, definitely appreciate the action takers like you who come out on the podcast and also go out to the community. Um, and help the disabled or the men, was it, uh, it's the disabled people and, uh,
2: Yeah. And people, yeah. And mentally, physically. Yeah. There's, I've, I've worked with a wide spectrum of, of different people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Take an action. That's what we need more less, less talk and more happening.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, well, what about, uh, what, what what's in your future? Do you have any plans for the future? What's something that you're going to try next?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I've kind of moved to this phase in my life where I've always really had a strong entrepreneurial spirit. You know, my parents were entrepreneurs after they moved to the States and they started their own business. Um, And so I think I've always been really interested in doing that and trying to build something from the ground up, because in poker... I feel like I never got to create something or build something or, you know, watch something that I've taken from beginning to end and say that, you know, this is something that I've put all of my blood, sweat and tears into to try to build from the ground up. And so I think having that experience would be really exciting. Um so, you know, throughout the years, I've definitely invested some of my money into other people's businesses, into other people's projects. Um, but I have yet to kind of find what my passion project will be that I want to basically invest in myself, you know, so um, I feel really fortunate that I've gotten to a point where. I can start thinking about those things about, okay, I have X amount of money to put into something, but what is something that I really want to do? What is kind of the mark that I want to leave on the world? Um, You know, what's some type of... um, business or product that I could create that could potentially help other people, but also, you know, make money, right? Like I'm not, (laughs) I don't want to sell myself as this kind of person that, you know, I'm all about altruism. And, you know, I understand that there's like a great balance to be achieved with doing something that could be profitable, but also doing something that could help other people. So, you know, I've been starting to think about what that is and what that's going to look like. So I really hope that in the next, you know, three to five years, I'm able to launch my own business and do something that I'm really, really passionate about and also kind of create an environment where, you know, other people can can join in on the mission with me and, and be a leader in that way. I would really enjoy that, I think. So um, that's kind of what I'm looking towards.
1: All right. Well, uh, looking forward to seeing it happen. And uh, one thing I definitely feel like I must tell you is that As it turns out, uh, making a positive impact is more creating businesses actually makes more of a positive impact, depending on what the business is, of course, than charity. Um, and it's harder as well. Um, as it turns out, you want people to work to, to, you want to get people moving to, um, to really make a dent, um, so maybe that piece of information may uh, may push you or give you some kind of, I don't know, give you some kind of uh, hint as to what you want to do with it. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think entrepreneurship is very tough, or at least it depends on the business. Uh, mm-hmm. From what I've heard, it really depends on the business, but it can be anywhere from very easy to, not very easy, I guess, but not, not that hard to... Um, very hard or very, very hard.
2: Yeah.
0: Um,
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm but I'm looking forward to the challenge, you know, like everything else I've ever done in my life. I think it's more rewarding when it's really challenging. So, yeah.
1: It it seems that way. It seems that way. I'm trying to, I want to know if that's a hundred percent (laughs) true just because that would make it easier to push through things that are really challenging Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever, what would be the hot, what would be the biggest challenge you ever faced?
2: I think being on the amazing race was the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh yeah. Hands down. Uh, <laughs>
1: what do you actually have to do on the amazing race? I, I don't even watch TV. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: it sounds kind of cool to like race through a bunch of countries in all sorts of weird ways. That's my guess. I,
2: I don't know. Yeah, it's essentially kind of a cross between like a scavenger hunt slash physical and mental competition. Um, We went to eight countries in 22 days. Um, So you're thrown into a different environment every single challenge. You, you know, don't know the language. You don't know where you are. You have to find your way around. Then you have to complete a challenge of some sort. And it's always, you know, part physical, part mental, um, and it really tests your ability to handle pressure well and how you compete under stress. Um, And, you know, there was something every single challenge that i had to do that i wasn't sure if i could do you know nothing feels worse than going into a situation and being like oh i don't think i could do this you know um so you know again going back to limiting beliefs i definitely every day on that show questioned whether or not i was going to be able to complete the task um but I think that was a good thing because it's it's very much mind over matter. It very much became a theme for my own race and for my own um, identity in that competition to realize, like, Every single day, I'm gonna have this feeling like, oh, I don't think I can do it. Oh, I'm gonna look really bad on TV. Oh, I'm gonna let my partner down. This is gonna be embarrassing. But every single day, I pushed through that feeling and I did it. And it might not have been pretty, you know, <laughs> it might have looked awkward. I might have, you know, fallen on my face. But um, the fact that I was actually able to do it was really, really great. Um, and it's the hardest thing that I've ever done. And I would do it again in a heartbeat though um just because i'm super competitive um but it was very very stressful very intense and the biggest adrenaline rush you know ever
1: it sounds kind of fun but it sounds uh the way you're talking about it sounds really tough uh i don't know what they have you do
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, on one of the challenges, you know, like I said, it varies, you know, between physical or mental. But, you know, on a certain challenge, you would have to solve like a puzzle of sorts or on a different challenge. You would have to eat like what they called the wasabi bomb, where it was just wasabi and like no rice in like a little piece of seaweed with no water. And so, you know, they they definitely put you in uncomfortable situations and it's just about figuring it out as you go.
1: All right. Well, that sounds uh, fun to watch. Um, and yeah, fun to do do reasonably well. Maybe, maybe it's not that bad. I do so kind of badly at it. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I haven't heard of it for ages, but it sounds, uh, sounds exciting the way we uh, the way you talk about it.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, it's still on TV now. You know, there's still, you know, um, it's still getting new people to come on the show. And, you know, even with the pandemic, they figured out a way to film the race and fly people all over the world. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one of the top reality competition shows out there.
1: I need to put some poker players on that show. That just, yeah, it would be funny if there was a show, well... People have to agree, but it would just be it would just be funny to put people that are really out of character on these kinds of things that <laughs> don't know what to expect. Uh, For
2: sure, yeah. Um, well, is uh,
1: yeah, it, is there any um, are there any uh, websites or anything else you uh, are working on now that you'd like? For me to mention
2: um I'm, I'm working on a few things that I can't yet publicly talk about, but if people want to kind of catch up on what I'm doing, you know, I post a lot on social media so they can follow me, um, on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at Maria Ho. My Instagram handle is at Maria underscore Ho, or they can go to Mariaho.com And, you know, I definitely like to keep people updated on there. So when I'm able to talk about all of these things, they can definitely check out those sites.
1: All right well all right guys check out at maria ho and what was the twitter
2: uh twitter is at maria ho and instagram is at maria underscore ho all
1: right i'll uh, i'll be sure to uh promote those and also look out for any entrepreneurship ventures or potentially any other viewings (laughs) on tv from uh maria and uh thank you for having me
0: thank you for being on the show maria
2: of course thanks for having me
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Winning the Game of Life. Tune in next week for another great episode. Of course, hit subscribe and follow Dan on Instagram at TheDanCates.